Welcome to the Business Blasphemy Podcast, where we question the sacred truths of the online business space and the reverence with which they're held. I'm your host, Sarah Khan, speaker, strategic consultant, and BS-busting badass. Join me each week as we challenge the norms, trends, and overall bullshit status quo of entrepreneurship to uncover what it really takes to build the business that you want to build in a way that honors you, your life, and your vision for what's possible, and maybe piss off a few gurus along the way. So if you're ready to commit business blasphemy, let's do it. Hello, hello. Welcome back, friends. I'm going to dive right in today. I asked recently on my Facebook page about red flags. I asked people, you know, what red flags do you constantly come across or what sort of things are happening in and around the business spaces that you're in that are red flags that make you stop and pause and think and go, hmm, wait a second, there's something a little bit not quite right about that. And (laughs) y'all did not disappoint. I got an incredible list of red flags, things that made people go, hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'd love to share this with my podcast audience because the ones that, you know, people were, were talking about tend to be fairly common. They're ones that I see a lot myself that I've um, heard people talking about. I've heard people actually say and that have given me pause. And one of them I even used to do myself. So, you know, there's no judgment here, right? We are constantly learning, we're constantly evolving. And so there's no judgment, no shame. But I wanted to share these because I think they're not the kind of red flags that make that, you know, that immediately stand out and make you go, oh, whoa, wait a second. These are the kind of red flags that you wouldn't really know are red flags until you've been in business for a while and you've experienced a few things. And so hopefully, as we're going through this list, you'll start to see why some of these things are red flags because some of them might even, you know, you might be listening to them and go, that doesn't even seem like a big deal. But wait, we're going to talk through them. So here are six red flags that I want you to start becoming aware of as you go through your business. First one, here's a big red flag. Somebody wants to hire a team member, but they constantly refer to this person as a unicorn. They want a unicorn. Usually it's with respect to someone who is a virtual assistant, a VA, or someone who's an OBM, an online business manager. But I've seen people, you know, refer to social media managers, you know, people like that, project managers, launch managers as unicorns. You see this a lot, mostly from people who either don't know any better right? Like like they've not had experience maybe with hiring and managing team members, or they just want someone who can do everything because they think it makes it easier for them in the long run. They're both wrong. Here's the thing. When you say you want a unicorn, usually what you're doing is making it clear that you're looking for someone who's capable of doing all the things. And yes, many people are multi-talented. Example, me. I can do a lot of things, right? And there are a lot of people who can do a lot of things. They can do many, many things. But one of the problems with that kind of thinking, that kind of unicorn thinking, is you tend to expect that person to solve all your problems and your potential problems. So a lot of the time you're looking for someone who's going to anticipate what you need on any given day so that you don't have to worry about it. When you're looking for a unicorn, you want someone who can take care of all the things and it sets the expectation that this person is going to be able to do it all. It sets a really unrealistic expectation of somebody, but it also does them a huge disservice because it doesn't allow them to operate in their zone of genius, right? It doesn't allow them to do what they're instinctively, naturally good at. 
And as a business owner, it takes the pressure off you to actually take responsibility and figure out what you really need. I have done hiring with people, and it is very surprising to me how a coach will tell a business owner, you know what, if you're feeling overwhelmed, hire somebody. And so, okay, I'm going to hire somebody. Sarah, can you help me hire someone? All right, what do you want this person to be able to do? Well, all these things, all of the things. I just, I don't know what I need. I just know I need someone to help me. Like, that's a really bad place to start when you're in the hiring process. You as a business owner need to be really, really clear on what your problems are and how you want someone to support you. So the hiring process is actually a little bit compli- like complicated. There's work that has to go into it. It's not just about hiring someone who's a unicorn and they're going to come in and fix everything. So if you are a service provider and someone asks for a unicorn, run, <laughs> run. But also if you do want to see what the deal is, ask them to tell you very specifically what challenges they're having in their business and how they hope you're going to support them. Let's hear it in their own words, right? How do they expect you to support them in this? Do they have clear um, parameters, clear milestones that can help you understand how you're being successful in that particular role? So here what they have to say. And then be realistic with yourself and honest with them about what's what. If they're asking for too much, don't feel pressured to actually say, yeah, I can do it all because what's going to happen? Because I've been in this, I've been in this position. I have the ability to do quite a lot of things. I've had a very, very colorful career history. Um, I've learned a lot of stuff. So I can do more things than most people think. And in the past, I've used that as my selling feature, my selling point. And trust me when I tell you it is going to lead to burnout and overwhelm. And that is not something you want. You want to go into a business with a very, very clear role a very clear idea of what you're going to do. And if you as a business owner are thinking, I'm just going to hire a unicorn, stop fucking hiring unicorns. Stop asking for them. It's not fair. It's not right. And it's actually more work for you in the long run because you can't then tell whether your team member is being effective or not. So red flag number one, when people say they want to hire a unicorn. Here's the next red flag that came up and I'm going to read it as they wrote it on my Facebook page. It says, guarantees of specific results in a specific period of time are a red flag to me. We're not all operating from the same place with the same reach, the same skills, the same knowledge, the same triggers, the same 24 hours BS. All right. This one grinds my fucking gears. Now, full disclosure, it's it's funny that this one came up because my Facebook memory, one of my Facebook memories today that popped up was around this very thing. Several years ago, maybe 2016, maybe 2015, I had actually posted about how we all have the same 24 hours, and it's about choices. The choices we make bring us closer to success or further away from it. Holy shit, did I not know what I did not know. Now, I know that that's bullshit rhetoric. That's gaslighting, 100%, right? There is so much more (laughs) that goes into success than simply having the same amount of time as somebody else or doing what someone else did. And the reality, the truth is, we don't all have the same 24 hours, right? The 24 hours rhetoric is bullshit because it doesn't take into account anyone's lived experience, their circumstances, their capacity, their trauma, right? A whole host of things. I'll give you my own personal example. I have two kids. They both go to school. I choose to drop them off in the morning and pick them up. That's how I start and end my day. It's kind of like a tidy little bookend, right? I like having an hour or two in the morning 
with my kids to actually be there for them and to actually say, you know what? Let's spend some time together. Let's regulate. Let's get ready for the day. It's something that I wasn't able to do in corporate. And it's a choice that I have intentionally made. So for me, I don't have the same 24 hours, right? I have maybe six hours on a good day to actually work on my business. Now, a big portion of that day is taken up looking after my clients because I am in a retainer with two clients as their operations director. And that is something that is very important to me. I love working with them. So again, I don't have the same 24 hours as someone else. In the evenings, I like to take time to unwind. Like it, there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of examples that I can give you. And some people may be listening to this and thinking to themselves, yeah, you know what? It is about choice. That's totally true. But you've got people out there who also maybe don't have a vehicle and they have to commute with public transportation. So they're spending two hours each way getting to and from work. So they don't have the same 24 hours. Maybe someone's working multiple jobs. Maybe someone's working their business as a side gig because they have a full-time job somewhere else, right? Or maybe they're a caregiver, or maybe you can insert whatever you want here. But everybody's lived experience is different. And when you tell me that I have the same 24 hours as someone else, that's not fair, right? So when someone tries to gaslight you by telling you that you have the same 24 hours as Beyonce or Mother Teresa, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> tell them to fuck off. Um, no, honestly, be, again, realistic and honest about your time and your capacity and what's important to you. Because, yeah, part of it is choice, but part of it is lived experience. And that is a completely valid thing. We are not in some kind of race. There's no deadline or finish line that we're all rushing to, right? We get to build our businesses how we build them. And when we are trying to overwhelm ourselves by trying to do them in the same time frame that somebody else did them in, that's doing ourselves a disservice because we don't have the same life as them. And I heard a really, really cool saying the other day that I want to share with you. The idea that if you're not willing to exchange lives with somebody, don't take advice from them. And I really like that because... Oftentimes, you'll hear people giving you advice whose lives look nothing like the kind of life that you want to live. Maybe on the surface, but you dig down beneath that shit and it's not what you want. So that's a red flag to me. When people try to bull, you know, bullshit and gaslight you into thinking that your 24 hours are exactly the same as everybody else's. They're not. Red flag number three, when people don't pay their own people fair wages. Oh man, there is so much I could say about this. I have seen coaches who are making multi-million dollars, right? Like big name coaches turn around and then be proud of the fact that they're paying their team members 10 or even $15 an hour, right? Way less if that team member happens to be situated overseas. You'll hear them talk about their values and how they honor and respect women and they want to lift all women up. And then they don't even pay their teams a living wage right? I love what Maggie Patterson had to say about this. She's over on Instagram. I follow her. She's the BS Free Boss, um, formerly Small Business Boss. She says, if you can't afford to pay someone more than that, then you can't afford to hire them, right? If you are hiring support in your business, it should be with the desire to pay them a living wage at the very least. If you're unwilling or unable to do that, you're not ready to hire and you need to figure out other ways to make your business work. This is where it might be a good idea to, you know, bring in a consultant to help you with your strategy or to help you look at what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and help you kind of scale it down so that you're only doing the things that are important. 
Or maybe you hire in an ops expert on a short-term basis to help you streamline your backend so that you can work more efficiently without a team member, right? But don't hire someone into your business and then only pay them $10 or $15 an hour. $10 or $15 an hour, even full-time, is not a living wage. It's below poverty line. And you need to be paying someone so that they can actually afford to live. That's just, I mean, that's just how it is. That's how it should be. And as far as hiring people from overseas and then telling me that $3 an hour is a fair wage, because I've seen that too, shove your savior complex back up your ass. Yeah, I said it. Do not deny people the dignity of valuing their work just because they don't live in your country. There is no justification for paying them so little just because their cost of living is different or seemingly less than it is here. They're still working for you here. So pay them properly or do it your damn self. I am not giving any leeway on this one. No way, no how. Hire people and pay them properly or don't hire them. That's a huge fucking red flag for me. And obviously you can see it gets me a little bit riled up. All right. Next red flag, automatically adding people to an email list. Can we please talk about how unethical this is? And in some cases, illegal. Yeah, there's laws around this now. You need to consent to be added to someone's email list, right? There's a reason why there are so many double opt-in sequences now, because no one wants to be accused of adding you to an email list, you know, quote unquote, by mistake. And yet I see it all the time, right? I see people who will add you to their email list simply because you booked a coffee chat with them, or maybe they're buying lists from people, or they see your email on your Instagram or other social media and they add it to their list. Like you cannot do that, (laughs) plain and simple. If you don't have express consent from someone, you cannot add them to your email list, no matter what they gave you their email address for. If they didn't give it to you specifically for your email list, you should not be adding them to your email list. It's unethical. Pretty sure there's some laws around it now. So just be very, very careful about that, okay? And while we're on the subject, can you please make it clear and easy to find the unsubscribe link or the unsubscribe button on your emails? I should not have to turn into Sherlock fucking Holmes to get off your goddamn list. I mean, you honestly think I'm reading your shit if I'm pissed off because I can't get off it? And if that's the case too, like what kind of metrics are you even tracking, right? There's there's no point in having an enormous list if 90% of your list is not reading your emails or opening your emails or actively looking to unsubscribe from your emails or sending them to junk or deleting them, right? You want to be having people on your email list who are actually reading your emails or engaging with your emails. So you should be happy to have people unsubscribe because the more people that unsubscribe from your list, the closer you are getting to the right fit people. And that's what you want. So stop automatically adding people to an email list and make it easy for them to unsubscribe. Thank you. Falling off my soapbox. Not really. All right. Next one. Ooh, red flags. I got to read this. I got to read this, how they wrote it on my Facebook post. Bonuses worth two and a half K. Nah, it's just a PDF and a three minute audio. Get the fuck over yourself. The human who wrote that, Oh my shit, it, this shit made me cackle, like legitimately cackle because we've all seen it, right? And I mean, some of us have even done it. No shame, no judgment, just come on, let's let's do better collectively. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You're selling a thing, could be a workshop, a webinar, a class, you know, something similar. And the thing itself is maybe 500 bucks. Let's just say 500 for the sake of easy math because I like round numbers. Now, in order to get people to buy, to entice them to buy, what do you do? You add a bunch of bonuses, a whole bunch of freebies, maybe videos, downloadables. They get access to a calendar. Like you add all of these things 
And each one of them, when you tally up what their quote unquote value is, it's $14,000. Like we've seen this, right? The thing I want to buy is 500 bucks. But if you buy today, you're going to get $14,000 worth of freebies as bonuses. But if you buy this thing today, you'll get everything for $97. Like seriously, you're telling me that you're giving me nearly $15,000 worth of stuff for less than a hundred bucks. Fuck off. No, you're not. And honestly, how many people actually use all of those freebies, right? Maybe there are people out there who use them. I have yet to meet one. It is rare, first of all, to get freebies or bonuses that are actually valuable, right? That actually add value to a person's business. Usually it's shit someone created for some other reason that they're throwing together to pad out their offer. Now, in my personal opinion, I know there's a bunch of people out there who are going to say I'm wrong and that's totally cool. In my personal opinion, a good offer stands on its own legs. You don't need to throw 37 freebies at it to inflate its value to make it look like I'm getting one hell of a deal from a money perspective. Instead, give me something in the primary offer that's actually going to help me implement what the thing I'm actually buying is for. So for example, if I'm buying something, you know what would be a value to me? A one-to-one call. And yeah, maybe you don't have the capacity for one-to-one. Cool. Don't add, you know, don't add that as a value. Don't add that as a, as a freebie. But then don't worry about adding freebies. Like work on your offer. Make your offer so good that people buy the offer without having to be enticed into it with a shit ton of freebies that you're going to, you know, say value $25,000 or whatever, because we know that's not true. Because if it was true, you'd be charging for them. Okay. Now, if that's not your cup of tea, cool. Like I said, you do you. But I would also be super, super interested to see the stats on how many people actually use any of those bonuses. And if they've actually ever amounted to progress in a person's business, because I kind of feel like they probably don't. But you know. So the next time you read a sales page, just, you know, be a little bit more discerning. Look at the freebies that are being offered and, and you'll break them down and, and ask yourself, are these really worth it? And the primary offer, is it actually worth it? Like, why are they throwing all of these freebies at me? I don't know. Just think about it and, and see what comes up for you. All right. Red flag number six, can't find a price on a sales page at all. Now, what is it with making me commit to long ass application forms or to jump through a bunch of hoops or get on a call before you give me a fucking price? Like I get it. I I totally get it 100%. Getting me on a call first allows you to sell to me. It allows you to handle my objections or my hesitations. I know that it increases the likelihood of me signing up, right? High pressure tactics but also psychology. I get it. I also get that when it's a high ticket offer, you want to vet your clients to make sure they're the right fit. But really, I've always wondered about this. And I think I talked about it in a previous episode. How many people actually get turned down during an application process, like truly turned down? I know people say that they do turn people down, but I've yet to experience it. And I know I'm not some fucking unicorn, haha, you know, that is going to be the perfect fit for every single program. And I get that there's, a, you know, that there's psychological proof and there's evidence that when you get someone to commit to something small, they're more likely to commit to something bigger. Hence, take an action and you're more likely to take another action. But I still think it's ridiculous not to include your pricing transparently, right? Most people know what they can afford. And even if you're just putting like starting at $500, starting at $1,000, 
put your prices on your sales page so that people have an idea of what it's like to work with you. When I was in the early years of my business, I remember wanting to work with someone and they did not have pricing on their sales page. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got on a call with them and it was like a five figure investment. In the early years of my business, I was nowhere near able to afford that comfortably. I was not about to take out a loan. I was not about like any of those things. And I also was still not really hundred percent confident in myself. And so got on a call with this person and they told me, I think it was like $15,000 at the time. And I could not afford that comfortably. And I was definitely not making that much of my business at the time either. So what happens in those situations? Unless you're a really strong person who's well-boundaried, you're like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll think about it. Like you, you hem and you haw and you feel bad and you, you get, you get made to feel guilty about not signing up for it. This person's taken time out of their day to, you know, have a call with you. And now you're going to turn them down. Like there's so many tactics that people use to make you feel bad about it. Put your fucking price on your sales page. Let them know what it realistically is going to cost them. Because if they're wanting to work with you, they can already see the value, right? And you do not want people to take out a loan to work with you. Like I personally don't want to work with people that I've had to cajole into working with me or to sit down and like, let's look at your budget and see where we can finagle money out of it so you can work with me. I don't understand people that do that. I just find that so intrusive right? I want them to know the value they're going to get. And I want them to feel comfortable paying me because they can comfortably afford it. I don't want them to have to borrow from this person or rob from that person. I don't want them going into debt to work with me, right? And maybe your price will scare people away. Good. Again, just like your email list, it wasn't for them. Or maybe they're like, I really, really want to work with this person. So I'm going to save up to work with them so I can afford it comfortably and that I'm not worrying about money while I'm in this engagement with them. And instead I could focus on what they're trying to teach me or support me with. Like that's really what it should be about. People should be able to make an informed decision about whether or not they're able to work with you before you try to convince them that they are. And I get that there is an element of convincing in sales, but it shouldn't be at the expense of someone's dignity and their financial security. That's just something that I feel really, really strongly about. So that's that. Those are six red flags in the business space. I would love to hear from you. Which ones resonated with you? Which ones have you experienced? And hey, no shame. Which ones have you actually perpetuated? Because I think at some point in our business, we've done some of, if not all of these, because we just didn't know better. But that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to learn a different way of doing things. So If any of this resonated with you, I would love for you to come hang out in the Business Blasphemy podcast community over on Facebook. We have great conversations there. I would love to hear which one of these you've experienced and how you handled it. Or if you've got a red flag that I didn't mention, pop into the group, post it, let me know. I might do another one of these episodes in the near future because they're kind of fun. So that's it for this week. Hope you loved it. See you in the community. Have a fantastic fucking week, my friends. And remember... You can have success without all of this fucking BS. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Business Blasphemy podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode. But in the meantime, help a sister out by subscribing. And if you're feeling extra sassy, rating this podcast. And don't forget to share the podcast with others. Head over to businessblasphemypodcast.com to connect with us and learn more. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have success without the BS.